The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, Nam Flange, Vandach, Nas Chaye, I'll learn from God's word, and my life will never be the same, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And so today we are starting, we're out of the woods. Praise God. I'm excited. Back, back. We're out of the woods. We are out, officially out of the woods. Amen. Uh, that relationship stuff, man, it's tough. Amen. Because you don't know what it's like preaching in from up here. It's tough. Amen. And so we'll be back talking about relationships sometimes next year. Okay. As for now, apply what you learned. Hallelujah. And so, uh, we, we back to Exhibit A, back to the program. We, today, we're starting a brand new series, and I like to call this one Settling into Maturity. Settling into Maturity. And basically, what it is, is we're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians uh, in the Bible. We're going to be studying the book of Ephesians, um, uh, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept, and uh, learn together. Uh, the book of Ephesians is quite interesting because it is the only letter that was written by the Apostle Paul uh, not to address any specific problem, uh, whether personally to the person he's writing to or as a body corporately. So the church at Ephesus uh, seemed to have attained that place of maturity that when um, the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to them, it did not address any specific issue. We know that in, uh, you know, in the book of Colossians, they were dealing with this new age stuff and uh, philosophy, uh, and Paul was addressing that, that, you know, our philosophy should be founded in God's word. We know that in uh, Corinthians, he was dealing with uh, a superiority complex, some of the people in there, and uh, sexual sin and all kinds of, I mean, people in Corinth were crazy. Though they flawed in the gifts of the spirit, they also, you know, uh, uh, took each other to court. I mean, it was just some crazy stuff happening at the church there. And uh, Romans, I mean, they were dealing, he was dealing with some legalism there, Philippians, I mean, everybody was depressed, and so he needed to tell them rejoice, and again, I'm going to tell you again, rejo- please rejoice, and he's writing from, uh, from prison, but when we go to the book of Ephesians, uh, it does not address any specific problem, it's, it's uh, quite refreshing that it's just, you know, a book written uh, by the Apostle Paul to strengthen their position of, of maturity. Now, the book of uh, Ephesians is divided into two sections. Uh, and uh, if you were to look at it that way, the first three chapters uh, deal with the positional truth. Uh, the first three chapters, I think someone needs to deal with my mics. The first three chapters deal with the positional truth. And uh, the last three chapters uh, deal with a vital truth or the application of the positional truth. And so while the first three chapters are dealing with who you are in Christ, your identity, uh, the last three chapters 
uh, uh, teaches you how to apply it in everyday living. Amen? Because what good is it to be uh, so earthly focused that we become, uh, so heavenly focused that we become earthly irrelevant? And so the Apostle Paul really starts off like any other letter that he writes. The first three chapters, you know, the first half of these letters, if you go to the a book of Romans, it, it deals with our positional truth, our spiritual truth, who we are. And in the last three chapters, it deals with what we call vital truth or the application uh, of your positional truth. Because while you are seated in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might, uh, you also need to learn how to be a good uh, uh, son or daughter to your parents. You also need to learn how that applies on your job. You also need to learn how that applies uh, here on the earth in the uh, context of uh, your marriage relationship. Amen. And so the book of Ephesians is profoundly deep in its spiritual truth, yet very simple and plain uh, in its application. And we're going to see that. And so let's go to Ephesians chapter number one. We're going to start off in Ephesians uh, chapter number one, and then uh, uh, hopefully we'll be able to finish the chapter so we can go to chapter two uh, next week. Uh, Ephesians chapter number one from verse one. And he says this, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God uh, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. And uh, so, so Paul, uh, the way he starts uh, these uh, two letters, Ephesians and Colossians, because these were written at the same time and delivered uh, by the same people at the same time. And so what had happened was uh, there was a gentleman called uh, Philemon. He was a big business uh, person uh, in the city of Colossae. And the church in Colossae actually met in his house. He had a big house, uh, tons of money. So prosperity is not a new thing. Um, the Americans didn't invent that. Philemon was already prosperous, amen. And so he had a big house. The church at Colossae met in his house, the whole church in his, in his living room. And so one of his employees, I like to go employees because, you know, I'm trying to be politically correct, but, you know, he was a slave, right? One of his slaves, you know, uh, Onismas, who worked for him, stole some money. And so Onismas stole some money from Philemon, and then it was a ton of money. Then he went to the city. He went to Jerusalem, and he blew that money. <laughs> he spent it, all of it. And uh, when he ran out of the money, he ran into the police. Now, young people, if you don't do crime if you're not willing to do the time amen and so he ran into the police they arrested him threw him in prison and so while he was in prison he met with the apostle paul there apostle paul was there for other reasons you know for the preaching of the gospel he was there for the crime that he did and philemon is still looking for him because uh he he stole his money and so the apostle paul preaches to onismas and uh, he, he comes around and he becomes a believer and he disciples him, takes him through a Bible school in, in prison, and uh, he, become a, a, he became a saint. And so uh, when he's released, the Apostle Paul writes three letters uh, and gives them to Philemon. Uh, the first one, he, to, to Onismas, the first one he gives to him is the letter to Philemon, which is basically a letter of apology and a letter of uh, good standing or good character or recommendation to let him into his house. And so if you go and read the book of Philemon, the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, listen, Onesimus is not that dude anymore. He's now changed and he's a cool guy. Let him in back with the saints and, you know, treat him like everybody else. I vouch for him. And if he does anything wrong to you, you know, hit me up. That's what the Apostle
Apostle Paul says in the book of Philemon. And so what he does is he goes to uh, 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 Philemon, you know, and the Onismas, and he gives him the letter of apology first from Paul. And Paul, he reads it, and he welcomes him back in. He brings out the other two letters, the letter to the church at Ephesus and the letter... Uh, to the church at uh, Colossae, and so they would read these letters and learn from them what the Apostle Paul wanted them uh, to learn from that. But it's interesting how he started these letters. The Apostle Paul started them in a similar fashion. He would always introduce himself and what Christ has called him to be and to become, which is uh, the, the biggest of uh, the, the servants, right? Uh, to be an apostle means to serve. That's what the uh, Greek word apost apostolos means. It means to serve. It means you are the one that serves more than everybody else. But he, he says this as he introduces uh, his letters. He always does, you know, in these two books, he, he says to uh, God's holy people in Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. He always seems to distinguish the people and the faithful within the group. Why? Because not all Israel is Israel. The Apostle Paul says it in another place. Can I get an amen? And so Paul seems to uh, uh, also exhort this group of people uh, amongst the saints uh, called the faithful. And Paul is such a, a stickler for this uh, faithfulness thing. And, and quite frankly, it, it's not a big thing in my world because, I mean, think about it. If someone sends you a teaching, someone sends me a teaching on, on WhatsApp and they say, you know, listen to this a teacher, he's, he's faithful. I may not listen to it. Because I don't want faithful, I want powerful, or anointed, or something. You know what I mean? But the Apostle Paul seems to like this uh, faithful thing. Uh, and that's why even the way he introduces uh, uh, Tychicus, who was the uh, friend of uh, Onesimus, who they went together to deliver the letters. This is what he says in Colossians chapter number 4, verse 7. He says this. He says, Tychicus, a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will make known to you all things which are happening here. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul doesn't say Tychicus, Onesimus, uh, the talented ones. He doesn't say the good-looking ones. He doesn't say the anointed or the powerful ones. He talks about this uh, 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 characteristic called uh, faithful. And yesterday we were at uh, the graduation at Caris Bible College, and uh, you know uh, they played a video of Andrew Womack, and he said this. He said, you know, the foundation of the school is Second uh, Timothy two two, uh, which says these things which you have heard amongst many witnesses, commit them to faithful men. Who will be able to do what? To teach others. And so I like the tense used in that verse. He says present tense, commit them to faithful men. Who will future tense be able to do something? Why? Because ability always follows faithfulness. And so I learned this, that if you really want to uh, uh, find the people to go to war with, you, 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 you don't want the talented ones, you don't want the, just the good-looking, and nothing wrong with talent, and nothing wrong with uh, being good-looking or powerful, anointed, but the ones you want to go to war with are the faithful ones. Yeah. Amen. 
Because faithful people, God puts his anointing on them. He says, commit these things to faithful people who will be able uh, to teach others. What does that word mean, uh, to be faithful? It means uh, to be dependable. You know, the reason why the Apostle Paul really had to send these letters with dependable people is because, you know, when you send something that's going to be a part of the Bible, you've got to find some people that are dependable, uh, trustworthy, and, and consistent so that they don't add their own little two cents in the letter. Can I get an amen? amen? And so the Apostle Paul, you know, commends them uh, for being faithful. And if you go to Acts chapter number 15, you know, the Apostle Paul is such a stickler of this uh, uh, faithfulness thing that if you read in Acts 15 verse 36, uh, there was a gentleman there who wasn't very faithful. And so the Apostle Paul is putting together his team. And there was one of the guys there who wasn't very faithful, dependable, uh, uh, all of the above, trustworthy, and so on and so forth. And uh, it says in uh, verse 36, I'm reading in the Message Bible, it says, after a few days of this, Paul said to Barnabas, uh, let's go back and visit all our friends in each of the towns where we preached uh, the word of God. Let's see how they are doing. It's part of his apostolic responsibility is to go and strengthen the churches and uh, empower them and teach them in the, in the, in the Lord and really uh, create a foundation for the uh, church to grow. And he says, let's, let's make our rounds and, and go to all these different places. And so Barnabas, remember Barnabas, the son of thunder, Barnabas was the, you know, encourager. He's called to be an encourager. Uh, it says, and Barnabas wanted to take John along uh, and the John nicknamed uh, Mark. But Paul wouldn't have him. He wasn't about to take along a quitter who, as soon as the going got tough, he jumped ship on them in Pamphylia. See, life will always get tough. It doesn't matter. As long as we are here on the earth, life is going to get tough. Uh, I, we were doing a series on the single people uh, last week. Let me tell you ab about marriage. Marriage will get tough. Can I prophesy to the married people? To the married people? It's going to get tough. That's the prophetic word. It's going to get tough. But just because it gets tough doesn't mean you jump ship. And so Paul is saying, I don't want John Mark because he quit on us when we went to Pamphylia. Now, I don't know what was happening in Pamphylia. Maybe it wasn't, you know, a big city. Maybe it was, you know, the Maraba start of their day. And uh, so he's saying, I don't want to, to, the guy who, when we were going to Maraba, he didn't want to come. Now we are going to Cape Town. He, he's saying, hey, listen, <laughs> now, now let's go preach this, let's go preach this gospel. <laughs> And so Paul is saying, I don't, I don't want to go with this guy. And so it says in verse 39, tempers fled and they ended up going their separate ways. And so Paul is, is, is strict about this faithfulness thing. And yet, this thing is not extravagant. It's not, it's not, it's not something that we uh, ordinarily look for in people. This is why scripture says God uses the foolish things of this world to confuse or confound the wise. Yeah. I mean, if you and I were looking for someone uh, to do something with, to start a business with, the least quality we are looking for is, is faithfulness. Yeah. We're looking for someone who's rich. Yeah. We're looking for someone who's well-connected. Yeah. We're looking for someone who's handsome. We're looking for someone who's, you know, all of the above. And yet God... God is just looking for people who are faithful. 
You know, I remember when we did uh, the Wealth Builders thing uh, with Billy Epperhart, and someone asked, you know, a question around investment and where would the uh, uh, guys who have uh, private equities invest their money? Where would they invest their money? And Billy said this. He said uh, they usually look for one quality, and people, you know, my, my ears pecked up. I wanted to hear what that quality was. He said they look for AQ. I said, what's AQ? He said, it's adversity quotient. I said, what do you mean they invest on, in AQ? He says, that's all they're looking for. They just want to know that you are not a quitter. And so even at work, you know, uh, your bosses, they, they're just looking for someone who has a caution for adversity because things will get tough. The boat might get rocked, but they're looking for someone who when they put their hands on the plow, watch this now, they don't look back. And so this is why the Apostle Paul, in both his greetings, both in Ephesus and in Colossae, he singles out this special group of people amongst the saints called the faithful. It's people who just don't know how to quit. They can't spell quit. Amen. Amen. Once, they, once they say they are going, man, they go all the way. Amen. And so after that, back to uh, Ephesians chapter number 1, after he greets the, the, the faithful, uh, uh, saints in Ephesus, he says this. He says, blessed uh, be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse 3 all the way through verse 14 is one sentence in the Greek. You know, there, there's no punctuation. There's no uh, full stop. It's just one sentence that um, really uh, 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 reveals to us the plan of God before the foundations of the world. And so what this is, is uh, God uh, called a conference with the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he began to tell them about the plan that he had, watch this, before the foundations of the world. And he began to tell them about the solution that he had for you and I before the problem even came in the garden. And so I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, that the problem is not sooner than the solution. God has already made the solution available. And the problems you are facing today, God has already made a solution available for you. Amen. And so it says, blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Really, I shouldn't be stopping, but I feel like stopping because this is so rich. It says God, before the foundations of the world, he already had a plan, and his plan was to bring us into adoption. He had picked us so that he could bring us into adoption, and so that while we're coming to adoption, we can conform into the same image of his son, Jesus the Christ. Before the foundations of the earth, God knew that Adam would, you know, eat of the fruit, Eve first, and then, you know, Adam would eat of the fruit, and then they would mess up the plan of what he was trying to do. God knew that before it happened. Now, the question is, so why did he let the plan go ahead? Because he looked through the corridors of time, and he saw you and I coming to him and being a part of the family. He saw through the corridors of time and saw billions upon billions in the earth bringing their hearts 
and minds to the Lord, believing that Jesus Christ is Lord and confessing with their mouth that they become a part of the family and God thought it was all worth it. Love compelled him to still go ahead with the plan, even though he knew that Adam would mess it up. Because God was so passionate. He was compelled by you and I becoming a part of his family. Amen? And he says he brought us in, he predestined us uh, to adoption as sons, as sons by Christ Jesus to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And so he called us uh, and adopted us, right? In fact, if you were to underline, I want you to underline the things that the Lord did before the foundations of the world. The first thing we see in verse 3 is that he blessed us. So you are already blessed. Someone shout, I'm blessed. And I'll scream this one. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. Say it again, I'm blessed. blessed. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. Now, now, you're talking to the, uh, 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 you know, spirits out there. There ain't nothing they can do about it. You're talking to yourself. There's nothing you can do to mess it up. And you're also talking to your lineage. They can't pass any generational curses to you. Ain't nothing they can do about it. Why? Because how can you curse whom God has blessed? Amen. I said amen. amen. Which one is stronger, light or darkness? Is the blessing light? Yeah. Is the curse darkness? Yeah. Well, I got the light. Yeah. And so the darkness won't stick. Yeah. I remember growing up, man, we went to uh, uh, darkness conferences. They were trying to kick the darkness out of us. And we were carrying light. We were carrying candles. And they're telling us, man, you got, you, got, you got some darkness. You got some darkness we need to cast out of you, get the, this generational uh, curse out of you. But, man, I'm carrying this light. The darkness should just be dispelled. I found out that we inherited generational blessings and not generational curses. Can I get an amen? And so you are already blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Uh, and you're, he has chosen you. He has chosen you before the foundations of the world. You can underline that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not just a, a consequence of circumstances. He handpicked me. Amen. I said Amen. And then, uh, verse 5, he, he has adopted us as sons. Amen. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine who just recently uh, adopted uh, a, 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 a baby, and he was telling me about the process, and we began to talk about it. And uh, we realized that adoption uh, was interesting because you, you get to, to choose uh, the qualities that you want before you, you, you pick the, the child. It's different from, you know, when you, when you give birth. As, as, as parents, you get what you get. When you give birth, you get... Adoption means God had a choice, but he still chose you. I think that's, that's cool. Amen? God had a choice, and he still chose you. With all your flaws, with all your crazy, God still chose you. Amen? And so he adopted us as sons. Now, both male and female were adopted as sons because the goal of adoption is so that you can inherit an inheritance from him. And so in a Jewish mindset, you know, daughters didn't inherit an inheritance. But God, uh, uh, I mean, God is sneaky, right? Jehovah is sneaky. God, God created spirits with no gender. 
so that we can all be adopted. The Apostle Paul says, in him there is neither male nor female because there are no male or female spirits. This is why Jesus said there is no marriage in heaven. And so when he adopted us, both male and female, he adopted us as sons. And you're going to see further on in verse 11, it says, in him we have obtained an inheritance. He has made us accepted in the beloved. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. We have redemption. This is what we have. You know, the first uh, 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 five verses talks about what he did for us. And verse 7 starts to tell us what we have obtained from what he did. The first thing we did is we, we, we received redemption. We were bought with a prize. And we received the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace, verse 8, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. The mystery of his will was salvation and the dispensation of the church. And we're going to be talking about that a little more uh, in the coming weeks. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Verse 11, and in him we have obtained an inheritance. Someone shout, I have an inheritance. In Christ. Amen. See, because he has adopted us as sons, immediately he gave us an inheritance. You know, one of my friends, uh, he was uh, driving in a cart, we were playing golf, and he was driving in a cart with a uh, another guy in front of us, and then, you know, we were different cuts, and then he talk, told me what had happened afterwards, and he told me, he said, man, you know what that dude said to me? I said, what? He said, we started talking about bills and how expensive things are, and he said, man, uh, 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 I told him my school fees and how much, he's got five kids, so, you know, he's paying big, right? He said, I told him my school fees and how much we pay and so on and so forth, and he looked at me and he said, but that's what, that's what trust money is for. Oh. You're coming from two different realities. <laughs> Excuse me, amen? He said, why are you using your salary for that? He said, that's what you use trust money for. He said, what trust money? <laughs> well, I came to tell you, you have a trust fund. Amen? You have a trust fund. You shouldn't be burning the oil trying to earn it according to your own strength. You shouldn't be paying it according to your own works. What do you do? You withdraw from the trust fund. Can I get an amen? amen? You withdraw provision from where? From the trust fund. You withdraw healing from where? From the trust fund. That's what Jesus paid for. Amen. And when people say, when people come to you and they say, man, I fasted and I'm praying, I, I'm still not getting healed. Ask them, say, why are you using your salary to try, to try and get, tell them, say, why are you using your salary to get healed? And they're going to ask you, how do I get healed? You say, inheritance. Trust fund. Can I get an amen? amen? So we can save up our salary, our own energy to do what? To give God the glory. Amen. To give Him praise, not to try and earn something. Can I get an amen? amen? And so you and I have obtained an inheritance. Now, this really gets interesting. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory 
and in him also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also in Christ, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so here he's talking about the earnest payment, which is the Holy Spirit. And so when, when, when you and I got born again, uh, God put the Holy Spirit on the inside of us as a seal of promise. What that means is he made an earnest payment or uh, it's a guarantee payment. Having the Holy Spirit is a guarantee that all of his other promises are good. That's why he says here, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance. If you got the Holy Spirit, then you know the inheritance is guaranteed. He's not a blank check. He can back it up. Can I get an amen? You know, I get to hang out with all these uh, uh, crazy people and, and, and I get to, it's fun. It's fun. I'm telling you the truth. It's fun. This one guy, he once wrote me a check for 50,000 US dollars, wrote me a check, not me personally, but into the ministry. This one guy, and uh, we were sitting with him in the UK, uh, Q&I, and I and, and Sipo were sitting together in the UK, and uh, he just uh, 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 received an inheritance. He told me, he said, uh, it's far. I just received an inheritance. And he said this to me. He said we were sitting, and him and his wife are about to become empty nesters, right? And we were sitting, and he pulled out his phone. Q, remember? He pulled out his phone at the end of dinner, first night. He pulled out his phone, and he said, man, Tafara, you won't believe this. I said, what? He said, I'm, I'm buying a house in Gotham. Now, for those who don't know, Gotham is a slang word for, for Manhattan in New York City. He said, man, my wife and I, we're buying, we're buying a house in, in Manhattan. I said, how big? He said, three bedrooms. I said, why? Why that big? He said, because, you know, when you and, and the girls come to visit, you know, I need to have a room for you. He said that, true story. And I said, oh, man, that's so sweet. And he started showing us pictures of that house. And then when we got back to the hotel, I went on the Internet. I wanted to see. I mean, Manhattan, <laughs> I want to see. What kind of inheritance this guy got? I want to see. And so I went and I Googled, and I looked for it, I looked for it, I looked for it, I looked for it until I saw it. And when I saw it, I clicked on it. And that thing was 5.8 million US dollars. Five, did you hear what I said? So I, I copied the link and I sent it to Q. He was in a different room in the hotel. I said, check, check that. Because you see, 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 because we had just come from shopping and Q was bowling. I mean, he thought he was rich. (laughs) Q was bowling. He's buying everything. He's buying all. I said, man, listen, watch this guy. And he says, where he get this this money? I said, man, inheritance. He said, man, what were my parents? Everybody started looking at them. God, these parents, you know, it's not your parents. It's not your parents. Forget that. You have now been adopted into the family where God is your father. And watch this now. Just like my friend is buying a house in Manhattan, you can believe for it. Because it's now available for you in this new family that God has adopted you in. And he gave you the Holy Spirit of promise to tell you that all the rest of his promises are good. And so what's limiting us it's not God. It's not your father. It's not your... Because some of you are thinking, man, I need to get some natural physical person to give me an inheritance. No, you already have it. Amen. Jesus has already paid for it. 
the limiter is not the physical realm anymore. The limiter is right here. You, 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 you need to stop limiting yourself. Every time you, 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 you are reminded that you have the Holy Spirit, realize that all of his other promises are good. Now, I'm not knocking you because I'm still working on that. I'm working on that. You know, yesterday I was talking to uh, Michelle here and uh, Julie after the new members class, and, and I said to them, I said, man, you know, I'm dreading my trip. We have a trip coming up in, in February to go all the way to the U.S., preach in Arizona, and I'm preaching in Denver. I said, man, I'm dreading. I said, I, mean, I said, man, that place is far. And Michelle said, why don't you fly business? <laughs> <laughs> I said, say, with what money? And the Holy Spirit reminded me. He said, with the inheritance money. And, 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 and I said, what inheritance? He said, the one that Jesus paid for. I said, I said, I said, I said, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. And the Holy Spirit is saying, but it's not on you. I saying, but I know, I know, Lord, I know. See, every time I look at it in the inheritance, I try to compare it with what's in my bank account. And so that's the mistake I'm making. And I'm working on me. You may be somewhere better. You may be on your way up. But I'm working on me to stop. When I, when I think inheritance, I need to work on me to stop looking at what I already have. So I can think inheritance isolated. He said you will meet all your need according to his riches in your bank account. Where are the riches? In glory way in Christ Jesus. And if you look into glory, he created one planet in glory called Jupiter. It rains diamonds all the time. He's just trying to show you that stuff is not a problem. It's your thinking. So I'm working on me. So yesterday I went home. I said, Michelle, I said, Michelle was preaching. I went home. My wife would tell you, I went home. I said, honey, you won't believe what happened today. She said, what? I said, Michelle said, I must fly business. And she said, thank God. It's about time. And so, and so, and so I went and I, and I, and I, and I went and I said, Delta Airlines business. And I pulled out a picture and I saw business. Ooh, that place. Ooh. You know, before yesterday, I would never even, you know, tempt myself that way because I know, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, we were walking in with Q, uh, going to England, you know, for, uh, last month we were walking on the plane. I said to Q, uh, Q, Q didn't know this about first class and stuff, so I said to him, I said, Q, I said, I said, I said, we are on, in the kettle section. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? I said, when we walk in, just slow down. As soon as we walk in, just slow down and look left. <laughs> I said to him, everything you see in there is going to be beautiful. And they don't want you in there. <laughs> you and me are going to the kettle section. And so we walked in and Q slowed down. He looked. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I mean, them people, them people in there, they're already reading their magazine. They're already taking off their shoes. They're already cheersing, cheersing with each Cheers. They're already celebrating. The plane hasn't taken off yet. We haven't landed. They're already celebrating. In the kettle section, we only clap when the plane lands. They're already celebrating. 
I told him, I said, they don't want us in there. We went, and then when you get there, you know, you know, you know, the cattle people, you, we're all wearing hoodies, and we got to be comfortable. <laughs> you got to be comfortable. And then people are wearing suits because they can get in there and change, you know, into pajamas and stuff, you know, and life flat. And so I'm putting all my umtualo. I'm putting all my umtualo under the seat in front. I'm putting all my bags, and we are just we are just trying. And the Lord, yet the Lord is saying, I have an inheritance. This is why the Bible says when we get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of crying. After we've made it, we've made it to heaven. A lot of people are going to be crying because finally we'll find out what the inheritance made available and what we did not take advantage of. And I'm telling you, there's an inheritance for every child of God. There's an inheritance for healing. There's an inheritance for peace. Can I get an amen? amen? Jesus has already paid for all these things, and he gave us the Holy Spirit to guarantee that all his promises will come to pass, including the promise of eternal life beyond the earth. And so there's no need uh, uh, for, for you and I to try and earn something, Jesus already paid for it. It's time for us to receive it and appropriate it by faith. And why don't you stand on your feet? Someone shout, I have an inheritance which I have obtained in Christ. Because all of his promises have been guaranteed by the seal of promise, who is the Holy Spirit. I am redeemed. I am accepted in the beloved. Shout, I'm already accepted. None of us should have self-esteem issues. Because we, we, we are not rejected. We are accepted. Amen? I said amen. None of us should have rejection issues. You know, we suffer rejection. No, we've been accepted by God Almighty. Amen? The creator of the universe. If people don't like you, so what? Jesus likes me. God loves me. And he has accepted me. Amen? Don't try to, to get people to like you. You're trying hard. Can you please like me? Please? Jesus is saying, man, I've accepted you. Can I get an amen? Man, when I think about that, I'm accepted. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm accepted. I can't suffer rejection because Jesus has accepted me. Someone shout, I'm adopted into the family. I am a son. Therefore, I have an inheritance with my name on it. Amen. Man, there's an inheritance of God here on the earth that has your name on it. And it's time for us to grab a hold of it by faith. Can I get an amen? Amen. Someone shout, he chose me me. before the foundations of the world. I'm chosen. I'm chosen. chosen. That's good. You don't have to live your life worrying, will will someone choose me? I'm already chosen. Amen. 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 I'm already chosen. Someone shout, I'm blessed blessed. beyond the curse. The The only thing I've received received. 
through my lineage in Christ is generational blessing. Therefore, I have zero generational curses. I'm a Christian. That means I receive of Christ. Amen. Man, you don't have to worry when things happen to them. Oh man, it's your uncle, it's your ancestors. You know who my ancestor is? Jesus the Christ. That's who my ancestor is. And he has no curses to pass on to me. Only generational blessing. Only goodness. Only forgiveness. Amen? I'm good. Man, you go home, you read that Ephesians chapter number one, you'll find out I'm good. You go look yourself in the mirror and say, man, I'm, I didn't even know. I'm good. Amen? You walk into work tomorrow a different person because now you know, man, I'm good. Such and such, we're talking about you behind you. I'm good. I'm accepted. I'm accepted in the beloved. Can I get an amen? Amen. Such and such don't want to talk to you anymore. It's okay. I'm accepted in the... You don't understand. I'm already accepted in the beloved. You don't understand. I'm good. You know, we had one person. Uh, uh, my, uh, my brother-in-law was driving my wife's car, so he parked it and he went into the mall to do something. And this one person came and bumped my wife's car. And so we went and, you know, I, I didn't go. My brother-in-law sent me pictures. He said, this is what's happened. You know, this car is damaged here and so on and so on. And so we took it home and uh, we find, found out that we should have consulted. We didn't. And we found out we had to go through third-party uh, insurance and stuff. And, uh, I mean, it took long. I mean, the thing happened in June. I mean, we only got the money last week. And so, you know, we would always follow up and call, you know, the person who, who bumped into the car and say, hey, what's happening with the car? And uh, at one point she said, but why aren't you angry? She, she, I mean, she couldn't understand. At one point she, she said, okay, I, I know it's been three months, but I have a question for you. Why aren't you kicking up a fuss? Why aren't you throwing up toys? Why aren't you angry? You sound like you are okay with it. I said, no, we're not okay with it. But ain't no need for us to be depressed about this. We are accepted. You don't understand. There's a bigger reality that's at play than just cars. I'm a, I belong to a family and God is my father. And so we, when, when you have that mindset, you don't let everyday inconvenience, uh, 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 inconveniences harass you. Some of you get harassed easily by inconvenience. Who you are, they are harassing, dragging you. Inconveniences are dragging all over town. Because you don't know you are accepted in the beloved. It's just an inconvenience. I belong. It's, it's, if, if Bill Gates was my father, you think I'd worry about a car? Getting, get another one. Amen? Man, know who you are and whose you are. And man, you'll be bold in life. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for these, your precious children. Lord, I thank you, Father, for what you did for us before the foundations of the world. That you had a plan of redemption. You had a plan to make us sons in the family so that we may in, receive an inheritance. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you're opening up our eyes. Even as the Apostle Paul begins to write to the church at Ephesus, further on in the same chapter, where he says, open our spiritual eyes that we may see the power that is given to us what we believe. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you're opening up our spiritual eyes to see what is already available for us. You are opening our spiritual eyes to see who we really are. Amen. 
that we are not just what we see on the outside in the mirror. We are treasured, accepted, loved, adopted by God Almighty. Lord, I thank you, Father, that we are not orphans. We are not alone. We have a Father that will provide for us, protect us, nourish us, lead us, guide us, and direct us. Lord, I just thank you, Father, that none under the sound of my voice will live their lives as orphans, but, Father, that will live our lives as sons in our Father's house. We thank you for it, and we give you all the praise. And someone shout, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.